Hey, what's going on, Faith Church? Again, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us. Hey, with a welcome and introduction from Pastor Mitch like that, I can't help but to bring it. So I'm excited to be here. Again, if this is your first time joining us from wherever you're watching, again, we just want to give you a big shout out and tell you how glad we are that you're connecting with us. But most of all, to all of our Faith Church family, we love you. We miss you. We're glad that we can connect with you. And we're praying today like we pray and we believe every week that you'll have an encounter with God's presence, that whoever you are, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, man, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so, man, just open up your heart. Allow God to meet you where you are. Listen, before we jump into the message, I just want to take a minute and again, just continue to tell you thank you for your generosity. Throughout these several months that we've not been able to meet, again, there were a few weeks we were able to come together, and then we decided to, again, to quarantine because of just the situation that we're currently living in. But so many of you have just continued to be generous and to be faithful in your giving. And I just want you to know, again, that you truly are making an impact. We continue to try to share stories and to update you by what your giving is accomplishing. And at the end of the day, I want you to know if we don't share a story, you're a part of something significant and a part of something great, that God is doing great things through the ministry of Faith Church. And every time you give, you're financing that ministry. But I just want to give you just a couple quick things because this past week, your giving made a significant impact in a lot of different places. For example, just this past week, a couple things happened. Number one, we sent a check to a church planner in Fort Lauderdale, brand new City Lift Church. You can check it out. Pastor Matt Shaw and his wife, uh, they just planted the church just at the beginning of this year and immediately went into COVID. And so we came alongside them, Faith Church. We partner with City Lift Church. We sent them finances and resources to help them set up their online platform so that they can continue to grow and connect with people in spite of everything that's happening around them. And that was possible because of you. We also stepped right in here into our own backyard over into Sheffield with an incredible ministry that's doing some great things over there. There's a young man by the name of Dwayne Malone who's doing a thing called... um, Rescue Me Project. The Rescue Me Project is coming alongside of at-risk kids. And uh, the city over there gifted them a school. It's, uh, it, it has some needs. It needs some repairs. But again, because of your generosity, this past week, we mailed them a $5,000 check just to get the ball rolling to help them with some of those repairs. We also sent a group of volunteers to help them to put some paint on the walls and begin to do some rehab in that facility. We didn't stop there. Just yesterday, we sent a group of people from our Lawrenceburg campus up in the Lawrence County for Give a Kid a Chance. And we helped provide. We were a part of it. It wasn't all us, but we were a part of providing over 500 backpacks to kids getting ready to go back to school. Our, our, uh, our team was there volunteering and serving and preparing meals that we provided. And so I just want you to know, man, whether it's in Lawrenceburg, whether it's right here in our own backyard in, in, uh, in Lauderdale County, or whether it's all the way down in Fort Lauderdale or around the world, your generosity is taking the gospel and the goodness and the kindness of God worldwide. So thank you for your generosity, man. Just continue to give and let's watch and see what God does through this season. Well, hey, listen, man, today we are continuing the series we started last week entitled Made in a Cave. Made in a Cave is this idea that as you go through scripture, you find multiple times different characters find themselves in caves. There are these people who find themselves in these situations and you know, a cave, I mean, again, when you're a kid, they can be adventurous, they can be fun, you know, they can be mysterious, but what we find in the pages of scripture is some of these people find themselves in dark, difficult, depressing, 
in discouraging moments in life. And these cave moments are packed with life lessons. And so through this series, I just wanted us to lean in and learn from some of these life lessons because while we may not be in a literal cave, come on, all of us in this house, all of us watching online, again, wherever you are, we've all find ourselves from time to time in seasons in life, in moments in life where we are in a cave. Again, it's not a literal cave, but we find ourselves in a dark season. Every one of us watching this right now, we have found ourselves in a depressing season where we, did, we were discouraged or we were isolated. And so I just want us to learn from God's word. I want us to, to lean into what God taught these people so he can teach us to get, us to get us out of the cave that we find ourselves. And so last week, we looked at the life of this guy by the name of David. And if you weren't here last week, I just want to encourage you, man. David, here's what we found out is that caves can qualify us for crowns. That David was on his way to the throne. He was, as a young kid, anointed to be the king of Israel. But he took this radical, uh, this radical side road that he didn't anticipate, and he found himself in a cave. And while that could have been very discouraging, God used that cave season to develop his character and maybe again, you find yourself in a very difficult season and you're questioning like, God, why am I here? Why am I in this place? Why isn't it working out? And I'm just telling you, I want you to know that God knows right where you are and God is gonna use that season to help you grow and develop. Even though you don't wanna be there, it's gonna wor be worth it that you are there and you're gonna be better on the other side. And so I can't encourage you enough to go back and check out week one of Made in the Cave. Today, I wanna jump into week two. I'm excited for what I think God wants to say to all of us. But I just want to say this, when I was a, a kid, uh, growing up with two older brothers uh, had some unique challenges. Like many of you, you know, having siblings can create some challenges, can create some tension, but especially when you're the youngest. So my two brothers were both older than me. One was four years older, is still four years older, and one's three years older. And so I was always the youngest. I was always, again, growing up in the house. I was the smallest. But there were special times every now and then, didn't happen a whole lot, but where my parents would go out on a date night. And date night was amazing, probably not just for them as adults to get away and get some private time, but for us as three boys, it was awesome because we kind of got to do some things otherwise we wouldn't do. Like, I know it's common now, people eat out all the time, but it wasn't really common for us coming up in the 70s and 80s. But my parents, if they were going out, they would always get us a pizza. Now, again, I know people eat pizza all the time, but when we were kids, that was kind of a specialty. So we got food that we liked. We knew when our parents were going to be away, we could watch some movies that we shouldn't be watching. Come on, some of you, can, some of you, you got to be from my generation to get this. But we would tune into the cable channels. We didn't really get and try to imagine what was happening in the snow. Some, some of you get that reference. But we would watch movies we shouldn't watch, eat food that we didn't normally get to eat. Like it was all like a, a blast. We get to stay up later than we would normally stay up. But I'm just telling you, you put three brothers in a house, a fight's going to break out. And every single time we were alone, you better believe it, a fight broke out between me and my brothers. And if ever I was in the middle of it, inevitably, this happened so many times I can remember this, that if my brothers finally had enough of me, I remember they would come after me because I was smaller than them. I would run, and I would run upstairs, and I'd run into the bathroom with them hot on my heels, and I would get the door closed just in time and lock it. Whoo! I made it. 
And this is like, you know, doors and houses today, they wouldn't have held my brothers back. But we lived in an older house, I mean, thick, heavy doors. And I remember my brothers would beat on this door trying to get in to get me. And as long as I was, as long as I was in the bathroom, I felt safe. Whew. I made it. Like they was going to kill me, but I made it to the bathroom. But you know, here's the crazy thing is, is I would sit in that bathroom like I made it. I felt like I was safe, but all of a sudden I would start to wonder, are they still out there? And I would be afraid to go outside because I thought if I go outside, they're out there waiting for me. My imagination is running wild as a kid on the inside of this bathroom, wondering is my brother or brothers on the other side of this door waiting for me? And so all of a sudden, a few minutes would turn into 20 minutes, would turn into maybe an hour. I remember sometimes I would fall asleep into that bathroom. And here's, here's what I wanna tell you is, is why I ran to that bathroom while I thought it was protecting me, it was really robbing me because I was missing the pizza, because I was missing the movies, because I was missing the time. Come on. Like what I thought I was running to to help me was really hurting me. And I just think back to that illustration as a kid, and I think a lot of us can relate to that because I think all of us in times in our lives, again, we don't find ourselves in literal caves, but we find ourselves in moments, things that we ran to that we thought was gonna help us, but it really is hurting us or holding us back. Like some of us have run to relationships or we've run to attitudes or we've run into conversations that we thought was really gonna help us, but it's really hurting us or holding us back. And so today for a few minutes, if you're taking notes, here's kind of the big idea of where I wanna go today for week two. And it's this, that caves can compromise our callings. I just wanna say this, and we say it all the time here at Faith Church, but God really has an incredible call on your life. God has a purpose for you. There's a reason you were born. There's a reason he put you on planet earth. And there are giftings and callings and talents, and you may not understand them all in this season. You might feel average and ordinary, but I want you to know God has something for you that he wants to do, not just to you, but through you. And man, when we find ourselves running to caves, running to things, Sometimes the very thing we ran to that we thought was gonna better us or help us is the very thing that can hurt us and hold us back. So I want us to lean into this guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah is another guy we find in scripture that finds himself in a cave moment. Elijah, if you don't know who he is, he is this incredibly profound and powerful prophet in the Old Testament. I mean, his story is just incredible to lean into and learn from. He's this guy, he almost kind of comes out of obscurity. We don't have a lot of his background. But the setting that he shows up in is that the nation of Israel, again, in this cycle of rebellion, we find that, man, they, they're out serving false gods. They've, they've abandoned God. The king, King Ahab, is this wicked king, and he has married this incredibly wicked queen by the name of Jezebel. And together, they're ruling over the nation of Israel, and they're leading God's people astray. And so God sends this prophet by the name of Elijah to go and confront Ahab and Jezebel and ultimately to confront the culture that has taken hold in the nation of Israel. And when you get there, you follow his story. There's some amazing things that happen. First of all, out of judgment, God sends Elijah to tell King Ahab this, hey, I'm, I'm turning off the water. There's gonna be no more rain. There's gonna be no more water to water your crops except at my word. And just like shutting off a spigot, it stops raining for several years. I mean, at Elijah's word, like the rain stops. And because the rain stops, the crops dry out and 
cattle start to die what's feeding the nation isn't there anymore and so again but God does a second incredible thing through Elijah it takes Elijah to this brook and God provides even though people around him are starving God provides for Elijah and he's sitting he's sitting poolside it's such a powerful story he's sitting poolside by this brook he has all that he needs to drink birds are delivering him food morning and night so he has everything he needs and then you follow his story. So God uses him to stop the rain. Then God provides supernaturally for him. And then God sends him down to this widow who he performs several miracles for. And so his story is accented by God's power and God's using him in such profound ways. And then one of the coolest stories in the Bible is like, it's like a modern day battle of the bands. Elijah shows up and he confronts the prophets of Baal. Baal was the false god that the nation of Israel had begun to worship. And basically, we find them on Mount Carmel, like they're standing on the grand stage. And basically, here's the challenge. Let's see whose God answers first. And so 450 prophets of Baal scream out to their God to respond, and Elijah finally stands up and it's his turn, and we see this incredible miracle happen that fire falls from heaven in response to Elijah's prayer. And the 450 false prophets of Baal are slaughtered. And it's like one miracle after another after another. And all of a sudden, he walks off this stage after another miracle, another victory, and his phone dings. He picks it up, and it's a text message from Queen Jezebel. And the text message basically says this, oh, no, you didn't. Count on it, Elijah. I'm going to kill you just like you killed my prophets. And Elijah reads that text. And though, even though for multiple years in a row, he's experienced God's power and God's provision and miracles, in that moment, he gets in fear and he goes on the run. He's not running for his life, but what we find out is he's running from his life. And he runs because he's afraid that this queen Jezebel is gonna kill him. And here's where his story picks up. First Kings chapter 19, verse nine and 10 says this. There he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, watch this, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, and killed every one of your prophets, and I only, I'm the only one that's left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And I want you to see this, because out of his fear, he runs and he hides in a cave. And God knows exactly where he's at the same way God knows exactly where you're at. God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what your struggle is. And he comes and he has this conversation with Elijah and it starts with a question. And he asks him this question. Hey, hey, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Now I've said this a lot, but because we find oftentimes in scripture, the way God interacts with people is oftentimes through a question. We see that that's exactly what Jesus did. A lot of times the way he taught was by asking a question. Now again, because God is omniscient, God knows everything. God knows our thoughts as we think them. God knows what's in our heart before we ever speak it. God knows. God is never asking questions for his information, but for our transformation. And so when he asked Elijah this question, what he was saying was, in the same way when he asked us a question, is he wants us to stop and like evaluate. 
God, again, isn't looking for information. He wasn't looking for Elijah to tell him why he was in the cave. God already knew why Elijah was in the cave. He wanted Elijah to realize why he was in the cave. Hey, like, wh- why, why are you here? And here's the answer, because he gives it. Well, God, I, I've been, man, I've been passionately serving you. I'm zealous for you. I love you, but nobody else loves you. Everybody else in the nations abandon you. In fact, not only am I the only one who loves you, but I'm the last prophet because they've killed all the other prophets who were your prophets, and like, I'm the only one left. And so here I am. Do you know what he was saying? I'm scared. God, the reason I'm in this cave is because I'm scared. Like, that's it. He gave him a big flowery answer, but that's the reason. I'm scared of the queen. God's asking this question. Okay, so why, but why are you here? Because God wants, wants Elijah and he wants you. Why, why are you here? God wanted him to peel back the layers and really get to it. Because here was the answer. It wasn't just because he was scared. The real answer was this. Elijah was saying, God, because I had to take matters into my own hands. Ultimately, what... God wanted Elijah to realize, really to understand in that moment is, God, you know what? I couldn't trust you to handle Jezebel. I couldn't trust you to protect me from Jezebel, so I had to protect myself. So because I had to protect myself because I wasn't sure you could protect me, I had more confidence in her ability to hurt me than your ability to help me. And so because you couldn't protect me, I had to put, take matters into my own hands and I had to protect myself. So God, you want to know why I'm in this cave? Because I couldn't count on you the way I thought I could count on you. I couldn't trust you the way I thought I could trust you. So you know why I'm here? Because I did, I did what I felt like I needed to do. And come on, listen, here's the question we all got to ask ourselves. What are you doing here? Like, why, why are you in, why are you in the relationship you're in? Why did you end up in the job you're in? Why are you in the situation you're in? Sometimes, in, 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 and I know this is a touchy situation, but, but why are we in the attitude we're in? Why are we in the depression we're in? Why are we here? And a lot of times, if we're honest, we find ourselves in cave moments in life because we've taken situations in, into our own control and you better believe God, God wants you to make decisions. God's not always going to come in and just fix everything for us. God expects us to live our life underneath his wisdom and his counsel. God expects us to make choices. But let's be honest, all of us who are watching this have found ourselves in places where we weren't sure God was going to ever do it or God was taking his time and we thought, man, I'm just going to do it. And so we, we stopped waiting on the right person and we jumped in the relationship with any person who would take us. We got tired of waiting for God to open the opportunity for the job we felt like we were supposed to have or the ministry uh, position we were supposed to have. And so we just took what was in front. Like we land, and here's the problem again, just like the kid in the bathroom, what we ran to for what we thought was gonna help us really was hurting us and holding us back because as long as you're in your cave, you're not in your calling. And so what I came to tell you is, hey, what are you doing here? I want you just to look at your life. Like, why, why are you here? Because some of us watching this right now are in a cave moment. We're on the run. We're in fear. Things feel out of control. So we're making decisions that we felt like we need to make to get things under control. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Fear thrives when we forget God's faithfulness. Fear thrives fear always thrives it starts to come alive the more you forget god's faithfulness the more fear comes alive in us how many of us watching this i wonder have a, have a have a memory issue how many of us watching this maybe struggle with our memory 
Like all of us, nobody has a perfect memory. And you know, we all know this, we have a long-term memory and we have a short-term memory. Short-term memory is that stuff that's just happened in the recent past. Long-term memory is that stuff that happened a long time ago. And what's crazy is, think about it, is most of us watching this, is, and this is typically how our memory works, is we can access long-term memory fairly easy. We can think long-term, but it's the short-term stuff that gets us. Like, I can tell you about a family vacation. I can give you the details of a family vacation, of where we went to get ice cream, and what I got, and what it tasted like. I can tell you a family memory from 10 years ago, but I can't tell you where my car keys are. Come on. Like, that's the difference between long-term and short-term is, again, typically most of us, we kind of thrive with the long-term, but typically if we're going to struggle with our memory, it's the short-term stuff. Here's what I want you to think about is, is did you know, like, spiritually, that is opposite? When I say spiritually, I mean in our spiritual journey, in our relationship with God. Think about this. Oftentimes, we don't struggle. Our, our struggle is, is not with short-term stuff. I can tell you about my struggle. I can tell you about every detail, about what I'm going through, how I feel, why people ain't showing up. I can tell you why I feel like God isn't there. Like, when it comes to our short-term spiritual memory of what we're struggling with and what we're going through, we can give every detail. But here's the challenge is, is we forget the long-term faithfulness of how God has been faithful in our life to show up. And so the more you forget God's faithfulness, the more fear will thrive in your life because you start to forget what God has done in your past so you think you're alone in your present and you feel like you gotta take things in control and we end up in a cave and we end up lost and disconnected from our calling. Come on, every time you're in a cave, we're forgetting our calling and what gets us out of our calling and what gets us out of what God has called us to do is again, when we forget his faithfulness. Again, you look at Elijah, watch this. Elijah had experienced Birds bringing him breakfast and dinner. I know it's, it's a crazy miracle, but that was his experience. He experienced standing on a mountaintop and in response to his prayer, God poured fire from heaven on a sacrifice for thousands of people to witness that God was still the God of Israel, that God, the only true God, was, was still large and in charge. He experienced miracles at the widow. I mean, miracle after miracle, powerful, profound experiences one after another, and then he gets one text message from Jezebel, and he gets a short-term memory. He's got a hold of what's happening in the moment, but he forgets God's faithfulness for years, and fear takes over. Anytime you forget God's faithfulness, I'm just telling you, fear is gonna thrive. That's why we talk about our calling. As believers, there's a lot of things God calls us to. God calls us to generosity. God, God calls us to love our neighbor. God calls us to holy living. God calls us, God calls us to a lot of things that all of us have the same calling. Then we have unique callings. But you know one calling every single one of us have? All of us watching this, we have the call to recall. The call to recall. You know what the call to recall is? The call to recall is that God wants every single one of us to remember consistently and faithfully how faithful he's been to us. Let me just give you a couple examples because this is the call to recall is littered through scripture. If you go all the way back, we find Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine. Listen, this is Moses giving the nation of Israel these instructions. He says, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. And do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. Not just for themselves. Watch this. He says, and be sure to pass them on to your children 
and your grandchildren. He says, I, I, want you, I want you to walk in the call to recall. I want you to remember everything you've seen God do. Every, the way you saw God deliver you out of Egypt. The way you saw God swallow up the Egyptian army that was chasing you in the Red Sea. The way you experienced God providing for you for, for 40 years in the wilderness with manna and quail. The way you experienced, he says, I want you to remember all of it. Do you know why? Because there's gonna become a time in your life where you're gonna be afraid, where you're gonna feel overwhelmed, that you're gonna wonder, God, where, where are you, God, where is God at? Is, is God anywhere around? Is God still in charge? Is God still on the throne? And he says, what's gonna get you through, through those moments of fear is remembering God's faithfulness to call to recall joshua crosses the river jordan on the way to the promised land and when they get to the other side they take these huge stones and they set them in place and he says the reason we put these stones here is because every time we look at them we're going to remember god's faithful Abraham through his life over and over again he's reminded that God is going to keep his promise and we see multiple times that, that, that Abraham built an altar to the Lord he said I remember God's word I remember God's promise I remember God's faithfulness because when I get into a place and I forget I'm not going to get in fear I'm going to look back and see God's faithful and if God did it then God will do it now I don't have to take control I don't have to do it in my own power I'm not going to take myself into a cave I'm going to walk in confidence in my calling because God is faithful not just yesterday but today and forever come on somebody the call to recall the call to recall did you know that communion is the call to recall that every time we sit as believers and we take the lord's supper jesus the command is this to do this to take the lord's supper in remembrance of me that sometimes we struggle God do you, do you love me God are you there and we remember the cross and we remember his sacrifice we remember his blood shed for us we remember his body broken for us it's a reminder see my short term memory says I'm a sinner but my long term memory says I'm righteous my short-term memory says I'm separated from God. My long-term memory, because of what Jesus did for me, man, it reminds me that I'm connected. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. I've been adopted, and so have you. Come on, somebody. The call to recall. And so here's God. God is challenging Elijah, saying, hey, Elijah, man, what, what are you doing here? Again, in your fear. Don't forget God's faithfulness. So Elijah, he is in fear. He runs into this cave. God speaks to him, and watch this. 1 Kings 19, it picks up 11 and 12. He says, Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. I, I want you just to see those first couple words. Again, Elijah, out of fear, ran to a cave trying to protect himself. And the first thing God says after he asks him this question, hey, why are you here? He says, I want you to get out. If you're taking notes, the first thing you got to do is you got to get out of your cave. Some of you watching this, you've stepped into some situations and you've stepped into some relationships and you've allowed yourself to step into some attitudes and some opinions. And I'm just telling you, if you're going to get back in your call, you got to get out of that cave. 
listen, you got to make a decision. I'm not going to stay in this cave another day. And do you know why? It's because caves, like all dark places, they start messing with your perspective. Now, I know nobody's, nobody's, nobody's going to admit this unless you're at home alone. Come on, how many people watching this, you've ever been afraid of the dark? Now, everybody's been afraid of, a dark, afraid of the dark probably as a kid, but let's be honest, how many watching this has ever been afraid of the dark as an adult? I mean, everybody, come on. Listen, you just got to admit it. Do you know why? It's because you can, be, you can even be in your house and like you can be like all the lights are off and maybe you think you hear something and you're trying to look in the darkness into the other room. And isn't it funny how your mind will start to play tricks on you? Like you'll start to see things that you, sh- you, you think someone might be there. And I don't know if anybody else does this. It, maybe it's just me and if so, I'm crazy. But does anybody else talk to the person you think might be in your house? Everybody, I do that too. Hey, I just want you to know I got a knife. Hey, hey, and I just sharpened it too. If you're in here, I just want you to know I got a big sharp knife. It's not the little steak knife. I got the big knife that you don't even know what to use for. I got it. You better run. Why? Because when you're in a dark place, come on, you're, you're, you'll, you're, you'll start to perceive some things that aren't there. Darkness will start to mess with your perception. And so what what God tells Elijah to do is, is you're in this dark, dank, discouraging cave. And if you're going to get a different perception, you got to get out of this cave. And all of us in this room, come on, everybody watching this, one of the things God wants to do for us is, listen to this, what you think you're running to for protection is messing with your perspective. Sometimes you can get into a situation, into a cave, into a relationship, into a job, into a call. You can find yourself into a place, and it can start to skew your perspective. What you ran to, again, that you thought was going to help you, it starts hurting you. What you ran to, you thought was going to get you further down the road, it's holding you back. Again, because sometimes caves, caves can keep us from our calling. Here's Elijah called to be the prophet of Israel, hiding in a cave, and he's afraid And so I love what God does. In the middle of his twisted perspective, God gives Elijah a fresh perspective. Because again, he's wondering, God, can can you still do anything? I know you did all that stuff, but I'm afraid of Queen Jezebel. And so God starts mixing. Spotify comes in, Apple Music, whatever your thing is. God starts pumping in some earth, wind, and fire. Come on. Earth, wind, and fire. You see, God does this incredible display of power. And this windstorm rips through the cave and starts ripping rocks off the wall. God wasn't in that. And then the earth quakes and shakes and again breaks rocks off the wall. And then this huge show of fire. And it's like God saying this, like, hey, Elijah, I know you're questioning whether I can still do this thing. I know somehow you're questioning and you have greater confidence in Jezebel than you have in me. But God's saying, listen, I can give you a show of force. You need to give me a show of faith because I can still do whatever I need to do. I can do anything I need to do at any moment, but I just need you to trust me. And we will find ourselves in caves when we start to lose our faith. 
And so God shows this huge thing. Again, your perspective will always influence your perseverance. When you think there's no way out, when you think you're never gonna get to the other side, you start to give up, you start to tap out. I heard a story years ago. There was a lady, I don't remember her name, uh, but she was one of the first women to cross the English Channel, swimming the English Channel. And the very first time she did it, she failed. And what she didn't know is she swam. I mean, can you imagine swimming that distance? Frigid waters, it's cold. There's a boat coming alongside of her to make sure that they're pacing her, they're helping her, they're encouraging her. And they're there to rescue her if she gets in trouble. And she has swam almost the entire distance. But because it was foggy, because she couldn't see what was in front of her, the first time she tried to swim the English Channel, she failed. Do you know why? Because in the fog, because of a lack of perspective, she didn't realize she was just a couple hundred yards from shore and she tapped out. If she was able to have a fresh perspective, she would have had a fresh perseverance. See, what God wants you to see is that he is still in control. He is still faithful. He's been on your side in the past. He's been faithful in the past. Come on, I wish somebody who is watching this at home, I wish you would make some noise. I can get with you if you'll join me. Come on, God has been faithful to you. God's provided for you. God's restored for you. God's healed you. Come on, God's given us grace and mercy forevermore. Come on, God has always been faithful and God will always be faithful. And if God is faithful, we don't have to be in fear. God wants to give us that perspective so we can have perseverance. We don't have to run from queens into caves. We can walk in our calling with confidence. We can do everything God's called us to do. Come on. Just a perspective. God, you're there and you're in control. And so watch this, 1 Kings 19. So he sees this big display, but here's the important part. After the earth, wind, and fire, the Bible says there came a, a gentle voice. And verse 13 says, I want you to read this with me at home. When Elijah heard it, not when he saw it, what moved Elijah out of the cave is not what he saw. It wasn't the earth, the wind, and the fire. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, again, what are you doing here, Elijah? This has been one of those sections of scripture I've read multiple times and trying to relate with this prophet that had experienced God do so much for him and so much through him that he just gets in this depressing moment. And that just tells me, man, if, if Elijah can get there, you can get there and so can I. So if you're discouraged and you're despondent, if you're depressed, this at all is not condemnation. Because if Elijah can get there, I can get there. But the point is, in the middle of all this, God again gives this crazy show of force. But then he speaks to him through this gentle whisper. And I, I just, that's question like, why, why whisper? Why did God speak to Elijah through a whisper and I think the reason for the whisper is because a whisper speaks to intimacy see anybody could see the show of force but if you're going to hear the whisper if you're going to hear the whisper you have to be close if you're going to hear the whisper you have to lean in. If you're gonna hear the whisper, it's about being intimate. What Elijah was in the middle of this fear, 
God was really trying to relate to him. Hey, it's, it's not even just about all this stuff I'm doing through you, but it's about the relationship you're in with me. And so he spoke to Elijah through a whisper. I want you to hear this. I know a lot of times we feel like we just need God to show up. God, I, I, just, I just need you to make something happen. And he will. I, I promise you, God will, God will be faithful. But you don't need a miracle. You need a message. I know you think you need a miracle, but if you'll get a message, if you'll get a word, if you'll lean in and let God speak to you, I know in my own relationship with God that when I've heard him speak to my heart, it's that word that carries me. It's, it's his word in my heart. It's not the big things he's done. Those things, I, I wouldn't be where I am without God's faithfulness, but the whisper. That's why you need to be in church because you need a word from God. That's why you need to be surrounded by godly friends because you need a word from the Lord. That's why we need to be leaning in into our own devotion time and reading the Bible is because we need a word from the Lord. We don't need a miracle. We need a message. We don't need another wonder. We need a word because it's God's word that changes everything. And Elijah, while he's seen this incredible display as force, it was the word that got him out of the cave. It was the word that got him on the other side. And watch this. And then the Lord told him, once he got outside, it says this. And when the Lord told, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, the son, the grandson of Nimshito, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel Mahola to replace you as a prophet. Now I know you're reading this, you're like, Pastor, I know what you said. Let me just tell you. What he was saying is, hey, Elijah, I'm not done with you yet. See, you're not, when you ran to the cave, when you ran trying to take things into your own control, when you ran trying to hide into this cave, he said, you ran not for your life, you ran from your life. You're a prophet, you're a person, you have a purpose. And you can't fulfill it in this cave. And what God was telling Elijah is what God's trying to tell some of you who find yourself in a cave moment of despair and fear where you're just doing things in your own way. You don't like, I gotta fix this my way. I gotta do things my way. Come on, some of you, some of you are trying to get the contract your own way. You're trying to hire the business partner your own way. You're getting into a relationship you know is not right for you. Come on, because you think you need the protection of that cave, of that person, of that situation. And what you think is going to help you is going to hurt you. And God sent me here today to send you the whisper that God wants you to get out of your cave because God wants you to get back into your calling. And so what he tells Elijah is, Elijah, you still got a purpose. I want you to go anoint the next king. And I want you to go anoint the next prophet. I want you to see these next words. Watch this in verse 19. So Elijah walks out of the cave and watch this. Verse 19, everybody read this and I'm done. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing the field. And you don't know who Elisha is. Elisha was the next person to receive the mantle of the prophet from Elijah. Elisha is the one who took his place. I want you to see what it says. Elijah went and found. He wasn't going to keep his purpose and walk in his calling and find the next prophet in the cave. He had to leave the cave. And so I just wonder how many of us watching this maybe are in a situation we need to get out of. We walked into something we thought was going to help us and 
God's saying, man, the first thing you need to do is get out of this cave. If you'll get out of this cave, you can get back into your calling. And you're like, but can I trust God? I, I just want you to, I want you to walk in this week, call a recall. Maybe you're watching this and the best thing you can do is just take a few minutes and write down just a couple places that you have found God faithful. I would encourage you maybe to grab a journal and just make a list of some things where God showed up, where God's come through, where God's provided, where God made a way, where God opened a door, where God healed a sickness, where God showed up and gave you peace. And just say, man, if God's done that, God's with me. And I don't have to hide in this cave. I can get back in my calling. And you'll never find what you need to find as long as you stay in the cave. And so I showed up today to tell you to get out of the cave. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for, I thank you for the example of Elijah, that even though he was an incredibly profound and powerful prophet, he found himself in a very discouraging place. And, Lord, I know some of us who are watching this right now, God, are in a very difficult season in life, and we're wondering, God, where are you at? And while you can do so many incredible things, what you want us to hear is that still small voice. And so I pray you'll speak to every person watching this. I pray remind them of your faithfulness and remind them of their calling. And I pray, Father, people all over the internet, all over homes watching this right now will begin to take steps out of the cave and back into their calling. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Hey, listen, if you're watching this, the greatest call you can ever surrender to is the call to become a child of God the call to repentance to say, God, I don't want to do things my way. I want to do it your way. Every single person, every single person is separated from God. There's nothing we can do to bridge the gap or to fix it. And that's why Jesus came. Is when you say yes to God's grace, when you say yes to his forgiveness, in that moment, you can be a person who's separated to a person who's connected. It's not through church. It's not through doing anything that you can do on your own. It's only through the gift of God's grace and the forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross for. And if you'll say yes to him and yes to that, he'll change your life forever. He'll forgive you of your sin and he'll make you his child. And so if you're watching this at home, I want to give you an opportunity just to invite Jesus to surrender your life to him, to make him the savior of all that you are. And so if you're watching this, you can pray this. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you love me and in all my mistakes and shortcomings and failures you've never given up on me I believe you died on the cross for my sin I believe you rose from the dead in victory I ask you to forgive me give me the strength and the faith and the courage to follow you the rest of my life in Jesus name amen hey God bless you guys man we'll see you next week for week three of Made in the Cave <laughs>